You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. We are starting off a brand new series called The Great Commission or The Great Co-Mission, however you want to say that, The Great Co-Mission. This is going to be a five or six week series. We're still wrestling with God on, on, uh, on some of the topics that we're going to be talking through and uh, he's in charge. So he doesn't always tell me before we get started. This is one of those times. But I want to start off with asking you this question. How would you describe your relationship with Jesus? Would you say within the last 30, 60, 90 days, think about that period. How connected are you? Do you you feel highly connected? Somewhat connected? Meh. Somewhat disconnected or highly disconnected? Has your life been bathed in prayer and you're talking to him all the time or so busy, so rushed that whew, I need to get back to that, but I'm, I haven't quite got there. My circumstances have piled up on me and it seems like it's been ages since I've talked to God and he's talked to me and ages since I felt actual connection with my Lord and Savior. Because I think that's important. Now, if you're a college student, we have a different scale for you. We didn't write this up here, but I'll just tell you really quick. It's uh, totes vibing, kind of talking, meh, taking space, and new phone, who dis? So that's, if you need that scale to help you understand where we're going with this question, we'll let you use that one. We are a relational discipleship church. And sometimes I feel like we, 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 we talk about the relational side of it, but we kind of talk about it and, and we press right on to the discipleship part. But we see both relationship and discipleship in the first call, which is in Matthew 4:19. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And then when you look at the lives of the disciples, they spent three years with Jesus. As far as we can tell, more often than not, Jesus was with his disciples for those three years. 24 hours a day, times a thousand days, roughly 24,000 hours Jesus spent hanging out, doing things. They walked, they talked, they ate, they worshiped, they served. Jesus did some teaching, but we don't, like the bulk of it is not even teaching, right? Like uh, John says, if I wrote down everything that we, that Jesus said, it would, the books would fill up the earth, but, but it wasn't primarily teaching. It was, it was living together. And 
Oh, they did a lot of boating, which does my heart good. I love to boat, especially with this guy over here. We only did that once, huh? I need to do that more often. Um, but Jesus spent a year and a half with his disciples, hanging out with them before he ever sent them off on their own to do ministry. And then he spent a lot more time with them. It was a lot of FaceTime. And then I think our idea of discipleship is, is kind of like this. It's very didactic. It's very, uh, you got a teacher, you got a student. We picture discipleship that way, but that wasn't how the first century discipleship was lived out. Discipleship, and, and, and honestly, even today, I, I think the way um, the Hebrews, the Jewish people, they approach discipleship is, is still very different than what we experience. I know that Ray Vanderlaan uh, served under a rabbi. He was the only Gentile and he was the only Christian. But as far as I've heard, there was, there was, one, it, there was one rabbi and it, was, and it was for a year. And the stories that, that, that come out of that are, are really relational. They were eating a meal and he, and he prayed and they, they were like, why did you pray that way? It was, it was relational. Because the goal of discipleship is you live like your rabbi. You see him do what he does. It's their being that you're after, not, not just their teaching. The teaching matters, but it's how they live. It's the who they are that matters. And I think we kind of miss that in, in American Christianity. It's, it's hard for us to grasp that because it's just not our experience. Our experience is you go to class for eight hours a day for 12, 12 years. And then if you want to go further, you, what Gracie is about to do is much more, that's discipleship, going six months, you know, three months of training and then three months of overseas experience. But living life with people. And again, the goal is to be like the person. In Philippians 4, we read these words. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's saying to, the, to his disciples, the things that you experienced with me, that's how you live. He's calling them back to that. But for us, discipleship is not just about becoming like another person. You becoming like me, me becoming like Marty Solomon, Marty Solomon becoming like Ray Randall. Like that's, our goal is to become like Christ. He says to the Galatians church, my children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. That's the goal. And so to whatever degree that I still need Christ to be formed in me, I still need discipleship. And believe me, I still need discipleship. Maybe you find that need for yourself as well. If not, I'll introduce you to the gospels and you could read how Jesus lived and then you'll come to the conclusion that, yeah, I need that too. We see the uh, great commission given to the church 
in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Let's look at that. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. That, that phrase there, some were doubtful. That is so encouraging to me because, because I know God's called me to do certain things and, and doubt creeps in. I'm 52 years old. I've been following Christ for 46 years and still I wrestle with doubt. God used them. I'm glad that he could use me too. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is what the church is supposed to live out. As we make this, we're going to make disciples as we go. We make disciples as we go, as we baptize, and as we teach. We're not Greek scholars in this room. I'm not even a Greek scholar. But what I'm hearing is that in the Greek, the go, baptize, and teach are participles modifying the imperative verb, make disciples. I don't know if I ever caught that before. What is commanded to the church to do is to make disciples. How we do that is we go, we baptize, and we teach. This is our one mission. There's other things that we, we do that's part of that mission, like attending church, studying the Bible, praying, worshiping. These are all good things. And sometimes we see our friend or a family member start, start to pray or start to attend church or, or start to study their Bible. And, and we're going, they're in, they're there. That's not what they're called to. If you look through the book of Acts, all the way through the book of Acts, new believers are called disciples. All the way, I was going to look to see how long, like what's the timeline for Acts? I believe it's 50 years in total. I don't think I'm exaggerating that. For 50 years, they were called disciples. Only twice are Christians mentioned. The first time when, uh, I think it's Acts chapter 11, in Antioch, they were called Christians, that was probably a derogatory term. Uh, it's like uh, Jen saying to me, you cooked it. You know, she's a fan of the Huskies, or at least she's from the west side of, of, uh, of Washington. And uh, I'm from the east side of Washington. And a derogatory term, you cooked it. Right? That's that's in in vain. That's in light of that's what that's how the word was used. And sometimes we'll take those derogatory terms and we'll own them. Oh no, I'm not Christian. You know. But even the word in the Greek, Christianos, means that you are of or like Christ, which which is not wrong. We are of Christ and we are becoming like Christ, and that's the calling. 
And so attending a church service, that's a good thing. Studying the Bible, that's a good thing. Praying, that's a good thing. We want our friends and family to do those things as long as the goal is for them to become like Christ. When we used to do trainings, and I, and I, I just want to kind of give you a disclaimer because you might be thinking, man, do I have to spend 24,000 hours with someone in order for them to become like Christ? Is that, is that what we're supposed to do as a church? We have something that the disciples didn't have. They needed Jesus every minute of the day because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. That's the game changer. That is the one big difference between what Christ did with his disciples and what we do with our disciples. I'm with you guys. Those of you that I'm discipling with you a few hours a week, right? Christ through his spirit is with you 24 seven, 365. If you've said yes to Christ. And so I don't have to be with you for 24,000 hours in order for Christ to be formed in you. The Holy Spirit is doing his part. I got to do my part and I got to let you do your part. So I want to give you that disclaimer because sometimes I, I don't want to over communicate what's going on here, but, but relationship matters. And if we say we are in relationship with Jesus, he gets to define what that relationship looks like. Can I get an Amen. Like he's God, I'm not. Thank God. <laughs> Matthew 8. Then the scribe came to Jesus, said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. That's such a bold statement. Have you ever said a bold statement to Jesus? And then didn't live up to it? Um, Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. If you're looking for a prosperity gospel, you won't get it in Matthew at chapter eight. It's not there. Following Jesus is hard sometimes. You guys know we've been working hard to plant this church, to grow this church. There's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears out of this group. And we're, we're listening to God going, are we doing what we need to do? You know, sometimes breaking up hard ground, follow ground is hard work. Oh, by the way, the uh, no place to lay your head, that, that might take you back to Jacob when he's fleeing Esau to go to his uncle and he had to find a rock. That might, that might be the imagery that Jesus is drawing upon for his listeners. Guys, this is going to be like our father, Jacob, who didn't know where he was going to lay his head, but he was going where God led him. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, he's on fire now. Follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Jesus isn't playing games here. He doesn't play games with me sometimes too. I try to tell him what my timeline looks like and he tells me that I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't think Jesus is being callous here. And there's some cultural things that we won't get into. 
about the way burial took place 2,000 years ago in Israel. But Jesus is saying, listen, put aside all the excuses. Whatever excuse is getting in your way of you actually doing what Jesus is calling you to do, just, just put it aside. It's not bigger than Jesus. And oh, by the way, I bet Jesus would, I bet that person got buried at the right time, in the right place, in the right way, because Jesus cares about family. But look at this next verse. This is the best. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Here's some, here's some people, and, and I don't know, maybe the first two that, that said something to him, maybe they got in the boat too. But his disciples were the ones that got into the boat because Jesus was leading them. Are you his disciple? When he gets in the boat, will you go with him? Because if you won't, you're not his disciple. That's... That's the implication. And I've been there. I, I, there's been times in my life where I, at that moment, I was not willing to get in the boat. He kept calling me. Sometimes my fear would get in the way. Sometimes my priorities would get in the way. Sometimes my pride would get in the way. Sometimes my selfishness would get in the way. I didn't like living like that. I wasn't experiencing God's best for my life when I was trying to be my own Messiah. When I was trying to live life on my terms, it just didn't work. And not only was I harming myself, I actually harmed other people because when I'm not living like Jesus, it is not good, friends. His disciples followed him because that's what disciples do. And we're, we're designed to be in an intimate relationship with God. That's what we're created for. And so following him, that's how we live that out. The, the Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me and paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We go where he leads. Jesus gets to define the relationship. Now, you might be thinking, okay, so this sermon's going to be about all the things I'm not doing. This series is going to be about all the things that I'm not doing. And actually, that's not where I want to go. That's not where I want to go. And I don't think that's where we're supposed to go with this series. Actually, what I want you to do is learn how to relax in Jesus. How to relax in him. How to trust him. How to... And get in the boat. Here's a quote by Peter Scazzaro. Jesus issues, issues this invitation to trust him 98 times in the gospel of John. 98 times. Do you think that's an important message? 
In fact, John states that the purpose of his entire gospel is that you may believe or be trusting in moment by moment that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's found in John 20, verse 31. Peter Scazzaro goes on to say this, theologian Frederick Dale Bruner captures the richness of this kind of trust when he writes, relaxing in is a good modern translation of trusting in and believing in Jesus. Relaxing in. Logan read this quote first and he said, you got to read this quote. This is a baller. And then I read the quote. (laughs) Oh man. Thinking about my last week, did I feel like I was relaxing in Jesus? No. That's why I'm seeing my doctor on Monday for my hypertension. I don't know if my hypertension makes me anxious or if my anxiousness has caused my hypertension. I'm not sure which came first, the chicken or the egg, but um, it's real. Are you finding yourself relaxing in Jesus? Rewind the tape back this week. The week before that. The week before that, the week before that. And I know QuickBooks is going to give us troubles. Come on. <laughs> but, that, but just, just in our normal day-to-day, do you find yourself relaxing in Jesus? Because I think that might get in our way of being on mission with Jesus, being in co-mission with him more than anything else. We just, our trust level isn't there. We look at the boat and we're not sure if that boat's going to hold that many people. We're not sure if that boat's going to hold me. Not sure where the life jacket is in the boat. If it has life jackets, don't know that Jesus walks on water anyway or I know it, but I don't know it. Like I know it here, up here in the, in the cranium, but I don't know it down here in, deep in my soul. Are you finding yourself relaxing in Jesus or do you find yourself anxious, frustrated, and burnt out when it comes to your part in doing God's work? Your part in this great commission. Are you so busy doing for Jesus that you actually miss time with Jesus? We won't read the story, but in Luke chapter 10, yeah, Luke 10, we see the story of of Mary and Martha, and we covered it not too long ago, but I'll just highlight it for you. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and and this is amazing, and we don't understand 2,000 years how amazing this is, but women were not uh, students of rabbis 2,000 years ago, but Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, She's saying to the world, and Jesus is saying back to the world with her, she's my student. I love that. I love that. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's just being with him. She's soaking in everything about him. 
who is this guy? What is he about? How he does, how does he do things? How does he answer questions? Why does he answer questions? How does he treat people? She's a student. She's a Talmudim. He's her rabbi. Martha, on the other hand, is busy doing the tasks that need to happen. And Jesus even tells her so. And she, and she tells Jesus, tell my sister to get back in the kitchen. Have you ever told Jesus what he should do? How well did that go? It's never worked for me either. He's got broad shoulders. He can handle whatever I have to say, but he's going to do what he's going to do. When he's going to do it, how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it. Disciples have to be with Jesus for a year and a half before they could ever do things for Jesus. They spent a year and a half with Jesus, just being with him before they were asked to do. And maybe we get the doing out of order of the being. Maybe if we focus more on being with Jesus, we would do better at the doing. The doing would come more natural. There'd be more courage. There'd be more faith. There'd be more hope. There'd be more joy. There'd be more peace. Because we're being conformed to his image by being in his presence, like the disciples were being conformed into his image by being in his presence. Remember in the Great Commission, Jesus says, I am always with you. Even to the end of the age, even the 2022 and beyond, he is always with us. His spirit is always with us. Are we with him? Are we choosing to be with him? See, you could force someone to do, right? We do this all the time as parents. You could force someone to do, but you can't force someone to be. Give props to Logan for that one. That was Logan, right? Sometimes I forget if it was Logan or Jen. We'll give it to Logan. Jen's not like, that was definitely me. So she's not saying that, so is Logan. <laughs> Guys, here's the implication. Discipleship is not primarily didactic. We are to teach. That is something that we do. It's a part of the process, but it's not primarily didactic and it's not first and foremost didactic. We shouldn't be teaching first. Discipleship is about living out your relationship with Jesus in such a way that others get invited into that same relationship. <clears throat> to the degree that you are living in relationship with Jesus. I go to Sunday service and I go to care group. I have life transforming group and I open up my Bible. What about the rest of your day? What about the rest of your time? How's that going? See, I spent three weeks praying for 
for city altar, this prayer event that we have tonight, prayer and worship event tonight. I spent three weeks praying for that. And because I changed my diet, it made me think about how I was eating all day long. It's amazing how much I take for granted when it comes to food. But because I was eating differently, I chose to eat vegan. Um, because I was eating differently, I, I was thinking about it all day long. And so I was praying all day long about this event. And I think that's the benefit of fasting is our focus is off of the normal and onto something better maybe. So I just found myself throwing up these 30 second prayers, these minute prayers, these, you know, like not long, but often all day long. I found myself in more communion with God as I went. We see a daily prayer pattern in the scriptures. And throughout the church's history, there's been different ways to talk about that. Call it what you want. Uh, use as your example who you want, but let's look at Psalm 119, 164. The psalmist says, David says, seven times a day, I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. So David had built into his life where seven times a day, throughout his day, he was celebrating his God. Daniel in 6.10, we're told, kneeled three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Now, if you don't know about Daniel 6, uh, a decree came down that if you're found worshiping any other God or anyone or anything else that you could, we're going to throw you in the lion's den, right? Daniel's like, throw me wherever. My pattern is my pattern. My relationship is my relationship. My time with God is my time with God. In the military, uh, we would send and receive messages to, to higher command. If we had intel, we'd send them messages. Most of the messages came down to us. <laughs> uh, here's new problems to focus in on. Here's what the enemy is doing. Here's potential threats. Here, here are new tactics. This is what I need you to carry out. And if we didn't pay attention to those messages, we were not on mission with Mother Air Force. Right? Do I get an amen? You don't pay attention to those messages. In fact, the way we would grade squadrons when, they would, when we would go evaluate their ability to go to war was how well did they respond to those messages and how well did they communicate that content to all their airmen. It's not the, it's not the guy wearing things on his shoulder or his uh, collar that you had to worry about. It's the, it's the one striper airman. He's the one you had to figure out if he was living it out or not. Prayer is the way we stay on commission with Jesus. Prayer is how we stay on commission. If we're on commission, if we're on mission with Jesus, if, if he's invited the, us into this discipleship process with him, if he's with us always, then prayer is that connection that we have. And it's the way we stay connected. It's the way we receive our marching orders. It's the way we share intel that we have, not that he doesn't know, but you know, we get to participate. We receive information from God on how we stay on mission with him. 
And so I've been praying about my day and I start off each day and I look at my calendar and go, Lord, these are the events coming up. What do you want to do in these events? That's how I start my day. And it's a 30 second prayer. I'm not talking about add 15 hours of prayer to your day. Become a monk. Not even Gracie's going to do that. Go up on some mountain on Kona Island. Um, just a quick prayer. Hey, this is, and then throughout my day, I'm praying about the next thing coming up. The next meeting, the next event, the next conversation, the next task. But I, the, the things that, especially that involve people, like God, who are you going to bring in? Like if I'm at 549 Hope, who are you bringing in the door today? What do those conversations look like? Lord, I got this meeting with my life transforming group. What do you want that? Con- like just a quick 30 second prayer. It's not big, but it's just a way for me throughout my day to stay in contact with God so I could be on mission with him so that I can first and foremost enjoy him. But secondly, live out this commission that he's given to us, this commission that he's given to me that I am committed to living for. Uh, Logan introduced me to the pause app and Jen has another app that I don't remember what it is. Um, but you have another app. Is, so, um, and I won't play this because I just saw the look on Logan's face. Oh, you're ready. Okay, so this is a one minute pause. This is an app you can download on your phone. It's free. Let's play the one minute pause. Jesus. I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you, God. I give myself to you, Jesus, for union with you. I am created for union with you, God. I give everything in me for union with you, Lord. I need more of you, God. Fill me with more of you. That's good. That's enough for now. Using that app, there's there's one minute, three minute, five minute, and I think ten minute pauses, and the app will remind you if you want. Like, hey, I want two, three reminders. You can set up the time if it's on your break or just some somewhere in your day, and uh, you don't lose any gold stars if you don't get to it right when it reminds you because some of our jobs are not designed to be that structured. But what if we just spent time? being with Jesus a couple times, two, three times a day, just to connect with him, just to remember that what we're doing in this rat race called life is bigger than what we see here on earth. That there's something eternal going on, that, that God is always at work, that he's redeeming lives, that he's, he's setting things right. He's putting lives back together and we get to participate in that. But let's just sit at the feet of Jesus. 
And maybe we just take the next week just to focus on that. And maybe that's not a week. Maybe a week's not enough. Maybe you need several weeks. Maybe you need a year and a half of just sitting at the feet of Jesus before you do something again. Because the doing is such a big focus. And Jesus invites you into this being with him relationship. And when that is really good, you got something amazing to offer. We're going to talk more about this doing versus being as we go further in this series. It'll come up again. We invite you to be and know that being is good. That who you were created to be by God is amazing. You are an image bearer of the almighty God and he loves you. All those things about yourself that you think is a mistake, he says, no, maybe there's some ways of living that out in better ways. But he's inviting you into a relationship with him. Come follow me, he says. Sit at my feet. Get in the boat. So as we pass out communion, I invite you to consider how connected you feel about your relationship with Jesus. Consider your last 30, 60, 90 days. Is the rat race running you ragged? Or do you have, or, or, or maybe you feel very connected and you're just ready to celebrate and you just want to praise your God. But either way, somewhere, probably we got people on the two extremes and some people right in the middle. Yep, I see some things that are great and I see some things that are not so great. If we're going to live out this great commission, being with Jesus is the best part. The being leads to the doing, but let's be with him. Let's take some time. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram. So give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church give. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.